Hi and welcome to Pen Meets Paper International Edition number 5. Today we have Martin with us. Hello Martin. Hi Johan. And we also have our guest, it's Stuart Lennon. Hello, Stu. Uh, hi, Johan. Hi, Martin. Hi, Stu. Hi. Is it Stu for short or Stuart? Uh, both work for me. Yeah. Okay. Good. Uh, so, Stu, welcome to Penwich Paper. How are you? I, I'm very, very well. Thank you. I mean, thank you very much for having me uh, on this this lovely evening. I'm, I'm having a, a very sort of relaxed time. We're recording on a Sunday evening. I've had a chilled out weekend. Uh, Although, in fairness, I've had a chilled out day every day for the last 13 weeks. But hey, hopefully that's coming to an end soon. How are you guys? Yeah, we're fine. We, as we talked in the, in the green room here, we have a, a very hot day too, yep. too early in, in Sweden. So it's about 24 degrees Celsius right now in the, in the evening. Fantastic. See if I manage to have the... Uh, or if, if I get very quiet, I probably passed out because... <laughs> Okay, tell us before that, beforehand. So have something to drink, like tea. I have the, the big bottle of water with me today, so um, yeah. And Stu, do you have uh, water or do you have something else? Because in your podcast, you, you're talking all kind of different beverages, right? For sure, and uh, I'm, I'm double-handed tonight. Uh, in my, my left hand, I have a, a Krumbacher uh, alcohol-free beer, because I'm I'm be, being a good boy this year. Uh, and in my right hand, I have a bottle of water. I think that probably most of our listeners uh, recognize you. But but for those who don't know who you are, can can you give us a, a brief introduction to to who you are? Uh, for sure, um, uh, I'm Stuart Lennon. Uh, I'm a Brit. I'm a confused Brit, so I'm part Scottish, part Irish, part Welsh. Uh, and part Cornish, which is the Celtic corner of England. So there's a Celtic seam to, to my background. Um, I run a website called nerosnotes.co.uk, uh, where we sell um, stuff that probably your listeners will be interested in. Uh, essentially, it's paper uh, and some pens. I also co-host with TJ Cosgrove a podcast called 1857. And I live in Cyprus, in the Eastern Mediterranean, because well, I'm a very lucky boy. So, uh, do, do you have uh, do you have any connections to Sweden, or any memories, or, or something, some anecdote about with Swedish connection? For sure, yeah, yeah. I've uh, I've visited Sweden quite a lot. Um, in my previous incarnation, I worked in financial services, and we had. Uh, pretty reasonable sized uh, network in Sweden. So uh, I used to go to Stockholm and to um, Gothenburg. Uh, I made a couple of friends there who I, I golf with. Uh, and one of them particularly was uh, uh, Linus. He's he's a true sort of Nordic Scandinavian blend. He's half Finnish, half Swedish, uh, and lives in Norway. Um, but he came over to Cyprus to see me last year. Uh, and there's a couple of other guys that I play golf regularly with here in Cyprus. There's uh, quite a big Swedish community in Cyprus, actually. So uh, more into to uh, say the, the correct subject here. So 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 um, when did your interest for stationer begin? Did, did you uh, a lot a lot of uh, have it from from childhood and just never stopped? But but uh, how was it for you? Um, 
Well, I was an only child, and I think that's often a gateway um, to, to stationery because uh, you know my parents could give me some some pens and paper, and I would just disappear. I would sit there quietly in my own little world, and then I kind of lost it. I suppose you know, later school years, I discovered that uh, that other thing. Uh, oh yes, girls um, and beer, and then work. And I guess like everybody of my age, um, it's, it's not state secret, I'm 50. So uh, as I started working, there were these new things called computers that, that were coming along to make everything easier. Uh, and I, I got completely into that. I, I started designing Lotus sheets to run the business. Um, if you don't know what Lotus is, look it up, youngsters. Um, yeah, I actually know what it is. So, yeah, <laughs> Lotus Notes. The Lotus Notes, that's right. Um, and uh, yeah, I suppose I rediscovered it in 20, I'm going to say 2014. Um, I started getting back into stationery when uh, I sold my business in, in finance uh, and sat at home and got myself the desk I'd always wanted and, uh, and dreamt of becoming a writer. And so the first thing that you have to do as a writer is spend hours and hours and hours on the internet looking at pens, paper, pencils. Uh, you can do anything you like as long as you don't write. That's the <laughs> only rule. Um, so that's when I, I really started getting back into it. And before I, before I knew it, uh, I was lost. Uh, I was down a rabbit hole uh, spending money left, right and center. Did did you did you search on things like the best pen for writing fiction and <laughs> best paper for for short novels or, or did you just um, how did it work? For, I, I'll tell you what happened. I the first thing I did was I had um, I bought myself a, a desktop Mac because I'd never had one. I'd always had uh, laptops, and so I bought myself a big iMac and I sort of sat it on the desk and went, "Oh, wow, that's amazing." Right, what am I going to write? And I, I then started doing searches about writing, and, and it became clear to me that writing on Microsoft Word, that, that was something for the corporate slave, not something for the cool writer person. Um, there were some people who were very uh, egalitarian and they wanted to Google Doc everything. Um, but then the, f the first little sort of hole that I fell down was Scrivener, uh, where people said to me, oh, if you want to be a writer, you have to write on Scrivener. And Scrivener, I think, is the uh, it's the same software that NASA uses to run the space program. I think um, it's it's enormous, it's huge, it's got all of these amazing functions, uh, and as you just hinted, none of them write the book for you, which was a huge disappointment for me. Um, and I got chatting with someone on Twitter actually. Uh, she writes for for Nero's uh, Amanda Fleet. Uh, she, she also writes novels um, and she was just just beginning to get going. And we were in a um, uh, hashtag writing chat on Twitter. It's a bunch of writers and aspiring writers. And the, the subject for the chat was writing buddies. And so we had a little sort of online flirt um, and, and agreed to be each other's writing buddies. And what I didn't know at the time is that Amanda is a doctor of physiology. So uh, she used to lecture uh, at St. Andrews University um, on, on how the, the body works. 
uh, as part of a sort of required course if you wanted to become a surgeon. Uh, so she's a really, really smart woman. Uh, and the other thing is that she's a massive stationary head. I think she, I think she's got a computer, but I don't think she talks to it very much. So she then started sending me documents. In fact, we've, we to this day still have a shared Dropbox, which is full of her um, methodology, uh, her templates, and she does everything pen and paper. So all of the novel planning, uh, all of her time planning, all of her sort of daily admin is all done pen and paper in, in an incredibly structured and organized way. And so she started sending me all these things. And it was, uh, it just, just reawakened everything about my stationary addiction. Uh, so we, we started getting into conversations then about which pens work and which paper works with what pen. And, um, and we, we, we write letters to each other um, all the time. Uh, and, and, she, and as I say, now she, she, writes, uh, she writes twice a month for, for Nero's Notes. And that got it all going again. Yeah. So, so, so then uh, uh, you're sitting with your, with your nice desk and your unused computer, and you had spent enormous amount of money on stationery. And then you decide to why don't spend all my money on stationery? And you buy a business called Pocket Books, Pocket Notebooks. Yep. Uh, what What made you go all in and, and buy your own store for stationery? Was it to save money? <laughs> uh, that's probably the only benefit it's brought thus far um why did i buy it i was um i i as i said i sold a business in 2014 and uh, it was a business that a friend and i had built from nothing to something pretty substantial and we'd put 10 years of our lives into it um it'd been i mean fantastic fun but, but very very stressful uh and probably the most stressful thing was selling it to be honest but once we did uh we both took some time off and then started looking at other opportunities uh both as individuals and and also as a team and we were just going through a whole, whole list of things and looking at you know, there'd be a business he liked but i didn't or i liked and he didn't and, uh you know oh maybe maybe that no maybe not maybe not maybe not. um and i was a customer of pocket notebooks So Pocket Notebooks uh, was run from, um, I would say it's almost Sweden. So it's the northeast of England, um, up, up in Newcastle upon time. Um, and there's a couple of guys, both of whom were, well, certainly one of them was very, very web oriented as a web designer. Um, and another, Tony, uh, who used to work for one of the big fountain pen shops in the UK. They had pocket notebooks as a side project, uh, and I was a customer, and I used to get my um, field notes from them and write notepads, and they brought over uh, pocket notebooks from the States. And as far as I knew, anyway, that it was the only place you could get them. And I, I loved these little notebooks. I mean, they're terrible for fountain pens. That hasn't changed. But... Um, They, I, I just loved the idea of them, and I loved the impermanence of them. So uh, at one stage, I was going through probably a pocket notebook a week, and so the the idea of of these new and exciting designs arriving all the time, and, and you know, there's an undeniable hipness to to field notes and and how they feel. And then if you look into the history of them, you, you get presented this picture of Aaron Draplin looking just mad. 
and you're thinking, this is fabulous. This is brilliant. It's amazing. Um, and the guys uh, blogged very openly. Actually, it's, it's still on the site. If you go to Nero's Notes and go way back to the start of the blog, then I suppose about 10, 15 posts in, there's, there's one from the guys saying, oh, no, we can't really make this work. Um, and, and I read that and thought, oh, I get my field notes. But I, honestly, at no point did it ever occur to me just to go to field notes. I have no idea why it didn't, but it didn't. Um, so I dropped them a note and said, uh, hey, guys, we should, uh, we should maybe have a chat. Uh, and so we did. And then I, uh, eventually I flew up to, um, to Newcastle. And we sat around and had another chat and did a bit of this and did a bit of paperwork. And, uh, and then it was mine. It was uh, February 2017, I'm going to say. And how, uh, how and why did you decide to rebrand it as Nero's Notes? I suppose a couple of reasons. The, the, my inner capitalist was offended by the name Pocket Notebooks. Because uh, I did some research, and 80% of notebook sales uh, worldwide are A5, or in that bracket, desk size. Um, and we, I suppose if you're wearing you know, cargo pants, you can maybe squeeze one in a pocket. But um, I, I just felt the name. You know, so about I just thought the the name excluded an, an awful lot of the market, um, and. I, I didn't want that. And also I, I, I wanted to signal to the world that it had changed because I think one of the the things that had handicapped the site was that it was a side project. So there was there was insufficient capitalization uh, and there would often it would be out of stock because the guys didn't have any stock coming in. They they would kind of order it uh, knowing that they had pre-orders, et cetera, et cetera. So it was very much hand to mouth. Uh, so by giving it a different name, um, I, I was able to sort of stamp myself uh, on it. I, I kept pocket notebooks for six months uh, before I changed them, just to sort of gradually um, fade one out and, and bring the other one. Yeah, and, and and as you mentioned, you you have like you have some continued death track that they started to to get the cool things from from the states to mm -hmm. to to Europe and uh, what. Uh, what was the first like win, if you say, after you took over? What was the first great product that you managed to get here? Um, well, the I say the site was very focused on uh, a few brands, so Field Notes, Right Notepad, Calipino um, out of uh, France, but that was kind of it. They'd started a relationship with. Uh, uh, back pocket, uh, who's an Australian, Justin in um, in London. Uh, he does the SpaceX notebooks. They're pretty cool. Yeah, we. Uh, I think we tried them. Yeah, well, we, you should uh, you should get him on. He's a good guy. Um, yeah. And I wanted to expand the base, so I wanted to have all of the the big brands uh, as a stock item. And then sort of start spreading my wings and, and looking for more niche items. So the first thing that I managed to do was get a deal with uh, Exaclair, um, who, who carried Claire Fontaine and Rodia, uh, also J. Arbin, uh, and a sort of associated brands, if you like. 
uh, got a deal with them. They've got a, uh, their own distributorship in in the UK. Uh, they are the strangest company in the world to work with because <laughs> Exaclair make absolutely superb notebooks. Clairefontaine paper is brilliant. Their covers are nice. They have a certain French style to them. Rodier paper, I, I know I'm preaching to the choir, but Rodier paper is astonishingly good. Uh, and yet, working with this company, uh, you have to be committed because their, their web ordering system, I think, was invented in about 1974. It's still some sort of weird mainframe, uh, and you regularly get ejected out mid-order. And I, they have so many, so many product codes uh, that you can you can just get completely lost in sorting out. So you say you want a goal book, and they come back to you and say, okay, well, we have 24 colors, four paper types, and some of their descriptions are just so beautifully French. So you look at a line, <laughs> you, you look at a lined goal book, and you think, okay, lined goal book. And people like Amanda taught me that, that the, the depth of the line is important to people. They want to know whether it's a broad line or a, a narrow line. And the description on the wholesale website, and I kid you not, I can send you a screenshot of this, seven or eight millimeters. <laughs> and, and I found the word, I said, what do you mean seven or eight? Is it seven or is it eight? <laughs> oh, well, I don't know. Um, and uh, that's it, that to me, that encapsulates the world of stationery. It's wonderful, it's beautiful, it's eccentric, it's funny, but it's infuriating because I'm the one in the middle who's got, who's got a customer at the other end. And for the sake of racial stereotypes, we'll say that the customer is a German. <laughs> and, the, and he is saying to me, What is the ruling? And I said, What's well, seven or eight? And he goes, What? No, is it seven or is it eight? I go, oh, I don't know. And the only way I could know is by having the stock, opening the book, and measuring it. That's uh, it's fantastically French. Wonderful. <laughs> Stuart, why why do I start getting uh, thinking about faulty towers? I don't know. But please continue. <laughs> uh, it's, it sounds a little bit like, I think it was uh, Aurora. Uh, they have uh, like a similar system to when you're ordering pens. Uh, and I think they also worked with uh, I think they still work with Excel document with with you you get like all their products in a long long Excel sheet um, oh, oh, and then, oh. then they have a, all these wonderful product codes and you have to uh, like guess uh, and it's it's a it's it's an own uh, position to, to understand their spreadsheet so so it, it's a, a lot of uh, it's not uh, only uh, dumb to, to have a, a strange ordering system. So, um, oh yeah. no, no, no! It's it's commonplace. It's it's one of the it's the the it's the barrier to entry to to the stationery world because if people think you know maybe I'll open a stationery shop, what you do is you uh, the distributor in the UK. Uh, I won't use his name; it's embarrassing. Um, of Koinor. So Koinor Pencils, uh, the the Czech company. Uh, now Koinor have an enormous range, uh, as most pencil manufacturers do, to be honest. So they will have in excess of eight thousand product codes, uh, and that comes. You get one uh, brochure 
you know, a good old-fashioned brochure, uh, which is then it's put into one of those really difficult PDF formats. You know, you can get a PDF <laughs> that you can read, and you can also get the ones that come as a magazine, and you can only go forward one page and back one page. So you get one of those <laughs> with all of the pictures, and then, as you, as you said, you get an Excel sheet with 8,000 <laughs> codes on it, and you have to find the product in the pictures, work out which code works for it, go back across then to your Excel sheet, work out whether the price is for a box, a single unit, or a gross, put in a number, so you put in four. Now, I don't know at that point, usually, whether I've ordered four boxes of 12 or four gross. I've no idea. And when it comes, Claire phones me and says, why have you ordered 700 of uh, a 7H pencil? (laughs) Sorry. And it's it's astonishing. Sometimes it drives me absolutely nuts. Most of the time it makes me laugh. Um, but but what it also does is it points out the the sort of state of the stationary business where there's this um, 20th century or 19th century maybe <laughs> legacy, um, and you've got some uh, huge brands, Koenig, Stedler, um, Stedler in in the UK, they have sales reps. These guys turn up with big cases full of German pencils, and they go look. I've got blue ones and I've got Stadler Norris and here's a tradition. And we have this in 17 hardnesses and packs of three and blister packs of 12. Guys, have you heard of this thing called the internet? It's fantastic. You just put them on the internet. Let me look and I'll buy them. So you have that. And then on the other side of the coin, you have people like Field Notes. And I have to say Field Notes are not my favorite notebooks in the world. They are such a pleasure to deal with. They're Really straightforward guys. They've got a fantastic website. So as a wholesaler, the website that I go to as a retailer is exactly the same as the website that you go to uh, as a retail customer. It's just the price is different for me. So I log in, all the prices come up. I choose what I want. It then gives me a Shopify checkout. Do I want to pay by PayPal? Do I want to pay by card? Do I want to boom, 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 done. And the whole thing, I can do it on my mobile phone sitting next to the pool. Try and do that with an 8,000-line spreadsheet. Stu, was it? That, that's why you... Um, and please tell a bit about that story about your guardian, uh, the, the uh, dog, Nero's. Oh, Nero. That's why you brought him into the business, to take care of business. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I'm I'm a cat person, for the record, so please, please continue. <laughs> okay. Um, I was living in uh, Hampshire, which is a rural uh, part of England, about 75 miles west of uh, London. And we had a lovely house. And one of the things that I noticed when I stopped working um, was, or perhaps better, one of the things my wife noticed when I stopped working is that I was always there. Um, and <laughs> that that wasn't, wasn't something that she really enjoyed that much. Uh, it was great having me around for, I don't know, two, three days, but then it was, you you really need to be somewhere else because you're kind of in the way here. Uh, and um, Nero and I then, Nero was our, our little pet dog, used to go for a walk. And eventually I thought, you know what, I'm going to get an office. Uh, and it was around about the time that uh, I just bought Nero's notes. And uh, I had uh, some storage space, but I was kind of hoping to work from home. Uh, but I, I changed that plan because working from home just wasn't working for me. How many times can you say working in one sentence? Uh, and Nero, Nero and I uh, used to walk to work together because I was getting a, 
uh, I was getting quite portly, sitting around at home, uh, drinking too much beer, eating too much food. Uh, so we took on this walk, which was uh, miles, about seven and a half kilometers, um, walk to work and back. And it was uh, it was my idea of heaven. So just the dog and I would be walking along. We had to go through some fields where he could you know, run around and do dog stuff uh, and then walk through the town. We'd be on the lead with me. And, you know, I was I was the cool guy whose dog came to work and the dog just sat there and was just cute and barked at everything. It was fabulous. Um, and I was talking to a web designer about changing the way that the site worked and uh, moving the thing forward. And I said, I'm not sure where I'm going to go branding-wise. And absent-mindedly, without any conscious effort, she was just sketching uh, what is now the brand, the uh, the sort of representation of Nero's face, which is very much what he looks like. And so that that allowed me to create a sort of a uh, whole line of blog posts around him as the uh, as the CEO. Uh, it was it was just a lot of fun. Um, and then uh, when we moved to Cyprus, it, it all took a it all took a very sinister turn, a very bad turn. Um, and if anybody wants to know about that, then episode thirty nine of eighteen fifty seven. Go and listen to that. But uh, it's a hard listen. Nero was killed, and it's it's not much fun. But uh, he he very much engendered the spirit of what I wanted the business to be. Um, I wanted it to be exciting. I wanted it to be cute. Um, you know, we're not we're not saving the world. We're we're selling notebooks, things that are fun to have, things that allow us to express ourselves a little bit, to get into our inner geek. Um, and he he kind of personified that, at least for me. Anyway. You're trying to to do a better world when when you donation through your subscriptions. Yeah, I'm. I, Absolutely. I mean, the, the we we sort of change it every year where we have a charity uh, for the year and one pound from every subscription that we sell uh, goes to that charity. And when we lost Nero, um, it, was, uh, it was very traumatic, uh, more for my wife than for me, in fairness. But um, we we got a glimpse then of, of there's a real dog problem inside. There's a lot of stray dogs. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's getting worse and there's a lot of charities that do their best to try and look after them. So we, we give money to them. And I think probably at some point this year, we will move that, that forward again to a different charity. But I think, um, a lot of what I've learned, uh, coming into this business is that more than ever now, uh, businesses, uh, I suppose this is slightly counterintuitive, but particularly online businesses are very human. Uh, if you want fast and efficient notebooks, you just go to Amazon. Yeah, they'll, they'll be cheaper. Uh, they'll be with you faster. But people don't come to me because I sell the cheapest notebooks. Um, they don't come to me because I sell unique notebooks, although I try to. They, they come to us because they know that we're genuine, that we're real, um, and that uh, by buying from us, they're helping support a real business with real people. And I think that that's increasingly important in a world that's dominated by Amazon and Facebook and, and all of these people. And giving a little bit and being transparent about what we do, uh, I think, is a big part of that. 
And thanks for sharing that story, uh, story uh, Stuart. Back to back to the stationery and, and your uh, and your store. Do, do you uh, is it any brand or products that you haven't managed to to get on board yet that you really want to to offer to the customers? Uh, uh, the first one would be Knock. So uh, Brad Dowdy, the pen addict, uh, we carried uh, his entire line for. Ooh, I suppose 18 months, um, and then he stopped. Um, so Brad still makes knock, uh, but he sells it direct. Now he doesn't sell it through retailers at all. Um, so anywhere that you can find it now, it's kind of legacy stock. And he did that, you know, for all sorts of valid, sensible reasons, and you know, he made the best decision for him. Uh, and I constantly and consistently twist his arm to try and uh, undo that predominantly for uh, international customers like you and me because um, it's you know it's quite it's quite an endeavor for us to buy something from the states and then pay the shipping and then pay the customs import and all of that stuff it's a hassle um and you yeah, know it is what, what i'd said to him was look you know i'm i'm happy to to you know cut nero's margins way down but we need to have an outlet for people Uh, to be able to get hold of this because people listen to your show, uh, they hear about your 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 table at the pen shows, uh, and they can't get over to Atlanta or Washington or Francisco, but maybe they can get to London or to Paris. And, uh, if if I'm there with a Nero's table, you know we used to sell a lot of knockwoods at uh, UK pen shows. Uh, so that that was disappointing, and I've not given up yet. Um, I as I say, I, I constantly and consistently nag at him. Uh, I had a couple of really good conversations with Baron Fig, um, along the same lines of you know let's let's try and get uh, Baron Fig into the hands of international customers without them having to have all the pain of customs and um, and we we oh we were so close <laughs> we were so close um, but I think that uh, they were moving towards thinking thinking bigger. Uh, you know, having a, a sort of a fulfillment element within Europe somewhere. I presume some sort of outsourced specialist. I, I don't know, uh, but of course, the the thing, the events of the last three months, I guess, have made everybody rethink about everything. So, I will um, go back on chasing Joey, <laughs> Joey Cafone, um, at Baron Fig, and say, "Come on, let's let's do a deal. Let's do a deal," um, because I, I I love the way those guys think. Um, I, I love some of the stuff they make. Uh, a lot of the stuff they make wouldn't be for me, but uh, I think it would be for, for others, and it would be great to be able to get it into people's hands without punitive charges. Yeah, I would. I, had, I have ordered some stuff from them, and, and, and some things I, I really like, and some things are not for me. But but it's it's yeah, it's hard when when the customer takes their share. Uh, to do this because uh, i like i like the pocket notebook the the vanguard but but it's, it's it like doubles the price when when it arrives so it's for sure it's not worth it so um, see if, if uh, i think we take some more uh, more questions on on your business and then we go go over to your more personal usage of your stationery sure so um, uh, you talked a little bit about it but but uh, Is it? Uh, do you, I think the biggest challenge you talked about uh, ordering the right amount 
of stationary uh, is it or do you have any, any other big challenge with having this internet store oh, yeah there are challenges yeah you learn or certainly i've learned um i remember the first order i made um i i ended up with a an office full of a6 hard cover rodia notebooks in multiple colors um i think i've still got some left now three or four years later um understanding your market and your audience is is critical um so i have customers who will buy nothing but field notes uh i have other customers that will take anything from me as long as it doesn't come with field notes i have some customers who won't touch pocket notebooks and some who won't touch desk notebooks so that's that's complicated in understanding the market um i have some editions of field notes will come in and i will sell 150 packs in 3 days uh the next edition i will order 150 packs and 3 months later i've got 140 packs left fashion what whatever what something about the the edition doesn't click uh and and people don't like it so that's a challenge and then yet 20th century business model in the 21st century uh really really complicated the um some manufacturers create uh uh sort of fixed deals with distributors um and then everyone else has to deal with the distributor and what that essentially means is that the the, the end consumer gets hit with with two two sets of margin if you like so everybody in europe who wants to stock field notes pretty much can you you get in touch with field notes um there are some some things that you have to do but you you can become a retailer for field notes uh and you will get the same price okay there there is no differential in pricing so um i believe um i believe because they tell me that i'm the biggest um retailer of field notes outside of the us i get it the exact same price as any other retailer in europe would get And I think that's great. That's fantastic. It's a level playing field for everyone, and most importantly, it's good for the consumer. There are other American brands who sell to one wholesaler who is also a retailer. This is where it starts getting complicated. Um, so that retailer has a built-in price advantage. But in order to negate that built-in price advantage, what he does is he puts a huge margin, and so uh, those goods. are uh, instead of being on the sake of argument 30 30 euros they're 45 euros and that's a real shame and when i spoke to when or when i speak to the manufacturer and say okay look i understand you've got a relationship with us the distributor and stuff but we've got to work something out here yeah you know either as a three or independently but this is delivering a terrible price to your customer and that's bad because your european customers speak to your american customers every day on internet forums uh facebook groups this price differential is not sustainable and it's hurting you uh, and they say well you know we have a deal so thanks very much but go away uh and that 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 drives me crazy particularly uh, um I, this is no secret i've spoken about this very openly before this is blackwing so blackwing limited editions get to europe about 2 months after they've launched and 
I, I said to Blackman, I said, you spend thousands of dollars on a marketing campaign and you get everybody excited about this pencil and then nobody can get it. And, and then a couple of months later, they say, well, we don't sell very much in Europe. No, you don't say. And they say, well, you know, it's difficult to get stuff to you. And I go, well, uh, no offense, but I can get field notes to market within 24 hours of them being launched. Why would it be any different with, with a Blackwing? And, and the reason is because a distributor is a sole distributor. He controls the, the, the release cycle. He controls the shipping. So, you know, it comes on a, on a rowing boat from America. And there you go. He saves money. But I, and to me, it's, it's infuriating because I have customers saying to me, when are you getting a new Blackwing? Uh, when it gets here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and that, that drives me mad because it's a missed opportunity. And I hate letting down customers. That's the thing that really, really gets me uh, is you know, any business where you have a customer who's calling you saying, please, can you get me these goods and take my money off me? I mean, that's, that's a joy. That's a dream. And to be able to turn, turn around and say, oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, oh, it breaks my heart. Breaks my heart. Uh, how uh, I think about uh, the current situation, about uh, the pandemic, have, have it uh, affected your business in some way? Um, well, I suppose as much as everybody. Um, we've had oh, two, two really, really sort of lucky elements, if you like. The first is that our office uh, is Claire, Claire, my, my sidekick. Claire runs the office. So that's back in the UK. Uh, and she lives around the corner from it. Um, and it's, it's, it's within a building but it's a self-contained space. So throughout the pandemic, she was able to continue going to work because she worked alone in her own space. Uh, and so there was no danger of um, contamination or, or passing on or catching or uh, any of those scary things. So within the guidelines from the government, we were able to keep working. The, the Royal Mail in the UK kept going. Uh, so we made some adjustments to our shipping policies to avoid Uh, putting Claire in harm's way. And Claire, Claire was in charge. It was her call what we could do and what we couldn't do. So if, for example, we had a, a large order from Sweden, then we would get in touch with the customer and say, okay, we can't go to the post office to organize the shipping of this um, because of social distancing. So we can either send it to you in a couple of parcels broken down, or we can hold it for a while and, and look again in a few weeks, or we can just give you your money back, whichever you prefer. Uh, and, and most customers were very relaxed about that. You know, they, they understood the, the the issue and we were fine. So we were able to keep trading, uh, most importantly. And, uh, you know, customers, I think, well, I know that lots of our customers made a real effort to to keep buying, um, even though there was pressure on their own finances. Now, if they could keep us ticking over, it was important because it doesn't take a lot uh, of a downturn to drive a small business like ours uh, very much into loss. And I think the real, uh, the real impact business-wise uh, will be the next 12 to 18 months. We'll see, we'll see quite a few casualties in the business world and, and inevitably some of those will be, will be in our little corner of it, which is a shame. Touch wood, Euros will be okay. And uh, talking about uh, uh, like uh, things that may affect your business, uh, Uh, how do you think that uh, the Brexit, when you leave, will? Do you think that will have any effect on? on um, you? I think the pandemic has 
done the world a service, perhaps in in giving some perspective. Uh, there was a lot of noise made about Brexit, and a lot of jumping up and down, and gnashing of teeth, and people were very upset. Um, you know, in the UK, in Europe, everywhere. Um, I, I think ultimately history will will see it as a as a storm in a teacup. Uh, I, I don't think very much will change. I think most people in Europe and most people in the UK and most people in the world want to do business in a way that's fair and reasonable, and they will find a way of doing that. Uh, okay, the politicians will need to make lots of noise and sound important because that's what politicians do. But uh, ultimately, I think it will, after a period of um, jumping up and down and shouting a lot, I think it will all settle down and be very much the same. You're right about that, Stu. So let uh, us be free and the free trade, and it will it will work out fine in the long run. Exactly. I I don't think there's any consumer out there going, no, no. Let's let's not be able to buy the things we want. It makes no sense. Uh, how did you come up with uh, the slogan? Forget the app. There's a notebook for that. Oh, very very straightforward. Uh, I stole it. Um, <laughs> Tony Tony Short, uh, one of the fa- or the founder the original founder of pocketnotebooks.co.uk. Um, his his catchphrase was, forget the app, there's a pocket notebook for that, which scans much better, but um, I had to drop pocket so I could widen my appeal. <laughs> um, how many years have you been uh, blogging uh, on stuartlennon.com? Uh, five, uh, five and a bit. Yeah, I I sold the, my, my sort of grown-up, uh jobby job business in summer of 2014 and i started the blog in february 2015 right yeah it's a long time blogger it's, it's nice to read your blog posts so thank you i'm also wondering how it's working with this membership model there but uh, to read more you uh, you do a voluntarily donation <laughs> yeah how has that been working if you want to tell about that sure no it uh it was an experiment and uh i set it up just over a year ago something like 14 15 months uh at, it was set at a very low price well low from my point of view perhaps not low if you're paying it uh of uh 12 pounds a year so a pound a month and it is uh in about three hours it's going up uh fivefold so it's going up to five pounds a month um so that would indicate that it's gone reasonably well as an experiment uh but it's really um, best to describe it. It's a challenge to the model that we currently have for uh, art and creation and the economics of that. The the publishing industry, uh, whether whether we talk about you know podcasting, writing, uh, music, film, is it's it's a bit of a scam. Um, if you look at how Kindle, you know, Amazon, for example, works, the the actual money going to the writer is minuscule. And the services provided by the publisher, which is Amazon, okay, they'll claim they're not the publisher, but you know, they do nothing. So they, they give you no marketing support. They give you no business support. Uh, they just take 70% of their revenue. Um, and they control the pricing and the distribution. So, for if you are a, a young, uh, I'm not young, but if you are a young writer who who wants to try and make a living from writing, it's harder now than it has ever been. Which again seems really counterintuitive because 
the idea of electronic publishing is that it should be open and, and that we should be able to, uh, to cut out the middleman to a great extent. So uh, my novels, I will not publish uh, through uh, Amazon um, or, or people of that ilk. I will use the format and you'll be able to buy a Kindle version of the book, but you buy it from me. And the membership scheme uh, is, is, if you like, is a pre-purchase. So everything that I produce uh, is accessible to members or uh, I think will become patrons uh, at midnight. Um, and so I'm, I'm experimenting with what content I can create and how to deliver that. So uh, just before we, we started talking, I'm recording uh, a lot of my blog posts so that there will be a members podcast. So if you're a member uh, and you don't fancy reading through the post, you can just listen to it and I'll do a, a weekly or a monthly release. I don't know how. Um, because I think that that's just a much fairer way for for us to develop this world where you know, Jeff Bezos has enough money. And I, I've got nothing against, <laughs> against the man, but I, I, I don't see that he should be controlling publishing. And I don't think that old-fashioned publishers should control publishing in the way that they used to. We have the technology now to make content available to people. And people should be able to pick and choose uh, what they want and who they want to reward. So the the thinking behind it is that there will be a, a multimedia element and that members will uh, get increasing value as, as, the, as the experiment continues. Uh, and they will know that the money is coming to me, not to Amazon. Yeah, interesting for you to share that, Stuart, because I have done both both uh, self-publishing by a local printer in Gothenburg, Sweden, but also using Amazon's service. And uh, I recently joined the Medium, the, the premium feature there, uh, because then you could su support their independent uh, blogging and also, but you pay a little bit, but then you could uh, read more uh, stories and more posts. And we have also played around with this here, how you, the supporters of the show could do that. So thanks for sharing your views there, Stuart. It's important to, to know. And talking about that, uh, for the record, your podcast here, 8057, has been a great inspire, inspiration for us. And um, still curious about the, the name of the podcast, 1857. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you have any comment on that? Uh, it's it's one more than eighteen fifty six. Yeah, thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> and then I will talk about that. It's not a leading question, but uh, I'm thinking of uh, starting a pocket subscription. Uh, could you give me some arguments for that? Uh, why I should use his service and. Do you have any plans for new subscriptions alternatives? Uh, yeah, okay. I mean, the subscriptions, do I have plans for new ones? Yes, I think I do, uh, because there is an element of needing to change. People uh, get bored. So when I took over uh, the business, we had, uh, there were three subscriptions, uh, but they were, they were all monthly. Uh, and it was small, medium, and large. So you could get three pocket notebooks or six pocket notebooks or nine pocket uh, each month. And that, I mean, nothing wrong with that. That's great. Very quickly, you get subscriber fatigue. So if you're ordering nine pocket notebooks a month, very quickly, you're going to end up <laughs> with an awful lot of notebooks. Even <laughs> if you're a prolific user like me, 
I can't keep up with nine a month. Uh, so I've seen a lot of churn of subscribers there. And so I, I essentially, I sat down with a couple of friends and said, okay, let's, let's look at this logically. What would you want to receive? You know, what would be interesting? Um, quarterly gives us uh, the opportunity to send people something that they can use within that quarter before the next one comes. Obviously, some people do and some people don't, but it's not uh, monthly is a bit relentless. <laughs> Before you've even got to the second notebook, there's another three coming through the door. It's like, oh, wow. Um, so our pocket subscription is a is normally six notebooks. Uh, it may be four. So it may be uh, you know, a pack of three plus one larger, larger format, you know, thicker format book. Uh, there, there are all sorts of varieties there, um, but it's usable within a quarter. And that concept we then carried into the second subscription, which is the desk subscription, which is essentially an A5-ish book uh, every quarter. And then Nero's, which is the third month of the quarter, if you like, is the wild card. So that's where we can pretty much do what we like. And that may be a maybe a large format book. It may be a book and a pad. It may be... Um, a diary, maybe a journal. It could be all sorts of things. And so for the hardcore stationary addict, um, and that we have several of these, they take all three subscriptions and each month they get one. So they'll get the pocket, they'll get the desk, and then they'll get the nearest. And for them, uh, it, the benefit of the subscription is curation. They get things that they probably wouldn't have chosen themselves. Uh, and they look at it and they go, oh, wow, this is great. Or they go, oh, I don't like this, but they give it to someone. They gift it on. Um, there are other people for whom uh, the uh, you know the pocket is ideal because that's the notebook they use. They they don't use other size notebooks, uh, and they just want again a little bit of variety. Uh, I have some customers who have you know, private deals, if you like, and they they essentially say to me every time there's a new field notes, send me a three pack. That's all they want. They just want the new field notes through. Fine, we'll, we'll set that up for you. We don't have it set up within the store as a specific product because it gets complicated. If you turn around, uh, we have uh, 750 products. Um, if you make each one of them available as a subscription, then you spend an awful lot of time updating your website. So, so um, for most people, what I try and do is uh, around pocket is I try and and mix and match it. So it might be an American one, one quarter, and then something European the next. Sometimes it'll be very fountain pen friendly, and sometimes it will be well, American, let's say. Um, <laughs> or pencil, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, occasionally if, if I'm a little bit worried, I'll even put a pencil in the pack. Um, but what we do is uh, we, we promise that the retail value of the of the subscription will, will always be higher than the money that's paid for it. Uh, and uh, with all Nero's goods, if anybody's not happy with anything they get, all they have to do is just send it back. We'll give them the money back. We're in the business of delighting people. And if we're not delighting people, then we're, we're, we don't want to take that money. So, uh, again, it's it's sort of harks back to what I was saying. It's about transparency. It's about authenticity. Um, you know, I'd much rather somebody said to me, I hated that notebook that you sent me. Like, okay, then I'll send you another one. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want you to hate it. Um, because the vast majority of people are honest and they are straightforward. 
And if you look after them, as I'm finding now in, uh, during these COVID-19 times, uh, they look after us. So. Great. Thanks. Uh, thanks for giving this argument. So I'm, I'm ready. I'm getting closer and closer. So I, thanks. You, you won't regret it. I guarantee it. No. <laughs> No, I had I had it uh, for, for uh, quite a while in the pocket subscription. I really liked the decoration and the mix, but but I managed to get in the position that I have too many books at home, so I had to to cancel. And I still trying to use these books. So, but when they when they are out, maybe I'm, I'm coming yeah, to. It's very very straightforward. You need to write bigger. <laughs> oh yeah, I I have that. Yeah, yeah. Yes, words per page. I try I try to. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm a small writer, so. So that's that's and that's that's probably that problem is on me because I uh, I get opportunity to try less stationery. <laughs> so 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 if if we have uh, if any of, of our listeners never have uh, been to Nearest Note uh, and they go to the page now for the first time, can you can you recommend three things in your on your site that you think that all listeners need to own or try out uh just three okay look. yeah I, i'm making it i'm making it hard for you tomorrow river if uh if you haven't used tomorrow river paper uh, and you're a fountain pen person then you've got to use tomorrow river if you haven't used tomorrow river and you're not a fountain pen person get a fountain pen and then get some tomorrow river. uh it's it's astonishing paper uh, if you haven't tried it or used it Uh, you won't believe it. Uh, how something so thin and flimsy can be so good with so much <laughs> ink defies science. So you have to try something to buy. Uh, endless recorder uh, is we we have a huge range of those, which is A5 uh, sort of semi hard cover. I think bullet journal sort of stuff. Uh, some wonderful um, colors or Uh, out of Australia, uh, Pebble, Pebble Stationery, we have in A5 and Pocket, and that's the lighter Tamari River, which is uh, is the even weirder one, because it's, uh, it's so flimsy, so tiny, and yet you can literally spill a bottle of ink on it, and it will handle it. Stuart, thanks for, uh, for mentioning this, because I am a newbie in this, and I bought that Directly from Australia, and that uh, yeah, that was a story about the uh, customs and other things like that. Sure. Um, but when I got when I got it, uh, I I was saying that to Yuan and Yuan also. This is a flimsy paper, but and I, I'm I'm a very new in into uh, fountain pens, so I'm using pencils, but also uh, gel pens and other things like that. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing to do this journaling. I will start using it as like a grat gratitude. Uh, notebook and also like three good things happening during the day yep and and other things like that uh, but uh, it's fascinating when i saw this new one what is called you one with this uh, almost like uh, the stars the black one uh sakura sumika yeah yeah when i said i have to have one but when i said okay i haven't finished the first one yet so i have to wait so yeah please continue Steve. Uh, no no I, i they um They are wonderful, wonderful things. I mean, I was a huge non-user of tomorrow. I'm a left-hander, uh, so I have a tendency to drag my hand across what I've just written. And uh, drying time on tomorrow River is not quick. Uh, so if you're looking for a notebook that you're going to, you know, quickly write something and turn the page, you do not want tomorrow River. <laughs> That would be my advice. Uh, but I 
as you just suggested, I do both of those things. So I do keep a gratitude journal and I do keep a three things journal. And for that, Tamari River is perfect. Um, next thing that I tell you, you've got to try, uh, again, this sounds strange, but Clairefontaine, uh, the best priced, most underrated stationery in the world. Um, it's better than anything that comes out of Germany. It's better than most stuff that comes out of France. It's better than most stuff that comes out of Asia. It's incredibly good quality, but it's not hip. Um, and therefore, it sells for pennies. You can buy six Clairefontaine books for the price of three field notes. Uh, and it's superior in every way, I'm sorry, quality-wise. The problem is it looks a bit like a French school book because it's a French school book. But the paper's beautiful. It's lovely. It will handle pencil really well. Uh, any writing instrument, any fountain pen, any ink, Clairefontaine, super great value for money. That's definitely worth uh, trying. Uh, and the other one, which I know you guys have done, uh, is buy some graphite, any graphite. Uh, I think it's universal across Europe and the States. I don't know about Asia. Uh, we at school have the worst pencils uh, known to man. <laughs> and so we all grow up with an aversion to pencils. And then somebody puts a good pencil in your hand, whether that be a Blackwing uh, or a Musgrave. Um, if you haven't tried those, oh, check those out. Uh, or Mitsubishis or Tombos. It bears no resemblance to the pencil <laughs> that I used at school. Uh, but it gets the juices flowing to the extent that I now, I now recognize how good the pencil I used at school was at what it was doing, which was lasting and being durable and being replaceable and being cheap. Um, so those would be three things. Get some, get some Clairefontaine, get some Tamayo River, and get some Graphite. There you go. Three things. So I think we go, go to your... Um your more personal usage. I know you like to, as seen on Instagram, so you like to swap around because I think you do that uh, because you like it and because you can. Um, uh, so uh, uh, what what's in your rotation at the moment? At the moment, uh, I have, usually I try and have three fountain pens going because uh, I think that's a reasonable amount to sort of use each day. If you have 10 inked up, you're not going to use them all. So um, I have a Sailor uh, 1911. Uh, it's bright yellow. That was one of my most recent purchases. My first Sailor pen. Wow, those guys can make nibs. They really can make nibs. Um, I have a Kaweco Sport Frosted Lime. Um, it's uh, plastic weighs oh i don't know a few grams so it's like it's like the brass coeco sport that everybody pictures um but it's just a, a a much lighter throwaway version almost um very good value for money i think it's about 20 something euros something like that uh right for the cartridge it's uh it's coeco so occasionally the nibs can be a bit awkward but uh this one's lovely it's it's my first ever fine uh, and i find it brilliant for uh pocket pocket notebooks there aren't many pocket notebooks that are happy with pens particularly not ones with big big nibs um, but a little fine cartridge pen even in a field note goes goes perfectly uh, and the third one i'm using at the moment is a pelican it's the m600 
no, the M605, probably in vibrant, no, 600, vibrant orange, uh, which I picked up at a pen show. The danger of pen shows for me is I go to sell stuff for Nero's uh, and uh, people give me money and then I go and give that money to somebody else who gives me a pen. That's that's good trade, Stuart. That's good trade. So when I have to when when I have to ask you because I had that question, when do you think you will uh, be able to attend a, a stationary fair in in, in the future? Mm, uh, well, the London one, the last London one went ahead um, in March, the London Spring Show, and in theory we could have attended. Um, we didn't, and I think partly that was because I was in Italy. Um, at the time that uh, the the virus was blowing up in Italy, and I had I actually had lunch with a friend from Milan, who said who works in the travel business, uh, who said this is going to be enormous. It's going to be huge, um, and he scared me. And we got out we got out of Italy the day before they closed all the airports. So at that time. Uh, the UK was still being pretty relaxed about the whole thing. They're going, oh, yeah, pen show be okay. Um, and I spoke to Claire, who was not relaxed about it. <laughs> I said, look, um, I'm not prepared to fly. And if I'm not prepared to fly, I'm not prepared to send you. So we'll drop out of that. Um, I don't think this year uh, there'll be any. Uh, I, I would be optimistic there will be next year. And I think the the barrier to overcome will be uh will be us the the public you know how do we feel about uh confined spaces full of other people that's going to be we're all going to be slightly scarred i think so uh is is there um uh, what 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 do you have for for notebooks right now oh notebooks what do i have for notebooks um okay uh, how long we got oh dear right so <laughs> uh in the morning i uh i write a sort of reflections journal just uh in a, a hobonichi teko so a qu- quite small obviously tomorrow river um uh, in a pretty fountain pen i kind of write what i learned from the day before what was good what was bad uh then is my gratitude journal so that would be a standard memorandum which is a tiny little notebook from from word um uh, i write in that in pencil And it's just one thing that I'm grateful for from the, the previous day. Uh, once I've done that, uh, I have uh, my my sort of daily driver is uh, I use a bullet journaling system, uh, but I rotate through all sorts of different uh, uh, notebooks. And we're now at month end, so I'm coming out of uh, I use one every two months. I'm coming out of an MD, uh, a Midori notebook, uh, into an endless recorder. Uh, so so far, the Hobonichi and the, the Bullet Journal allow me to play with bank, uh, fountain pens. The standard memorandum, not so much. Then I have uh, some project books that I might be using. So um, I've, I'm quitting drinking this year. I'm not drinking any alcohol, and I'm keeping a journal of uh, the, the challenge is called One Year No Beer. It's an internet thing, uh, and every day they send me a little video to sort of inspire me to do something. Uh, and I, I take a long note on that, and then that's a Rodia notebook. And then my pocket right now is a field notes vignette, uh, and that's about fifty percent of them. <laughs> But that'll do for me. Yeah. <laughs> you have to write a blog post about that, Stuart. If you if you haven't done that already. Oh yeah, I I did do a whole series of them. Um, 
sort of last year, but I, I stopped because I thought I'm just running the same post again and again. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it may be time to, to refresh that. You're right. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. You're very welcome. Do you, do you have uh, any pen that's always in your rotation? Mm, no. Um, I do have pens that I gravitate towards. And uh, I'm being really good this year. Um, I I signed up with um, FPC, Fanted Pen Companion. Uh, if you've come across that, where um, you it's essentially a database. You put in all your pens and all your ranks, um, and then you can you can record when you're taking them out and putting them in. And uh, there are leaderboards, and it's it's a really cool little thing. Check it out if you haven't seen it. FountainPenCompanion.com. Uh, and I'm using that to try and be a bit more disciplined because um, I, I sort of sat there quite guiltily one day and thought, I've got all these pens and, and I'm only using a handful of them. So um, I'm pretty good now at, at rotating. I have my own system in in a, in at home where I have a, like a uh, it's a, like a it's it's a service called Airtable. So I have a sure. Uh, all my pens and all my inks and then I have a currently inked so, so I just pick up the pen and the ink from the database and, and see my how how long I use them and when I use them and so, so it's I have my my own system for that yeah what 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 FPC does the what FPC adds to to the Airtable system you have there is um it's a really enabling service because um people can allow others to see elements of of their of their their usage and you have control of it but it's very privacy minded um and there are you know tables of a, of ink so there's people with like 3000 inks and stuff and you think well if he's got 3000 i could buy three more you know <laughs> um <laughs> so yeah it's it's one of those things as you say it, i can feel really geeky <laughs> when i'm doing i'm thinking what am i doing with my time here um but then i i've just opened the drawer now so that i can look at the pens um, I do look at them and I think, oh, I haven't used that pen over there in ages. Um, and so I make a note just to take it out. I've got all sorts in there. There's a, there's a Twisby Go. There's a lot of Twisbys, in fact. Um, some Coeco Sport. Uh, all sorts of, e- even non-fountain pens. You know, I bought some of the spokes from uh, the Pen Addicts. And, stuff. Uh, and they're just a joy to use. It's a shame. It's a shame to hide them in a drawer and then never get them out again. So so which which pen made you fall in love with with phantom pens or, or was it something was it a specific pen or was it something else uh probably two so uh, as a kid i was gifted um i don't know maybe maybe at o level time which would have been so 16 years old um a parker 45 that belonged to my dad uh that truth be told is not an amazing pen but it was my dad's pen and <laughs> it was a gift to me. So I loved it. And then um, a bit older, before I before I really got back into I wanted a corporate uh, big man pen. I wanted a pen that said, oh, look at him. He's made it. Um, I wasn't necessarily a very nice guy in my 30s. And my uh, my wife bought it for me uh, in an auction. So she bought it with my money, bless her. Um, and it was the Mont Blanc uh, Meisterstück, uh, the set, the collector's set for the Charles Dickens edition. 
and the the auctioneer was the great 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 granddaughter of Charles Dickens, um, who is a lady called Catherine Dickens. Um, and so it was that ultimate corporate look at me. It's a huge, ostentatious, showy, Mont Blanc-y thing. Um, but once you get past that and you actually write with it, it's gorgeous. Such a beautiful pen. Um, and so I treasure that. But it is also made of silver. So it tarnishes, or the, the cap is made of silver. So it tarnishes in minutes. You have to polish it. Oh, you'd have to push it every month. I, I, I've just pulled it out now. I do love it. It's got uh, it's got Charles Dickens' signature on it, not his real signature, obviously, but uh, sort of engraved into the pen. Um, and it's a sort of racing green with a silver cap. Beautiful, beautiful pen. So Asian or European stationery, if you had to choose one? Uh, I would probably choose European only because I know it better, I think. And and you talked about your Quebec, that is a fine uh, fine tip. Uh, uh, but what is your preferred nib size? Um, changing uh, <laughs> when yeah, it, that that big Mont Blanc uh, has got a double broad on it, and I saw ink pens as mechanisms for getting a bottle of ink onto one page, if possible. So the bigger the the nib, the better. I wanted a big i do have a big flowery signature um and that's all i would ever use a painting pen for so i would type a document and then put a huge massive signature big ink big ink big ink now i use fountain pens every day i use them for different things um i write longhand letters i write longhand uh, books um blog posts all that stuff so um a massive double broad for a left-hander on Tamoe River uh, just becomes a mess very quickly. Um, I still tend towards the broad. Um, I love I love a stub, a 1.1 stub, big fan. Um, on certain pens, I think certain pens nibs are made for. To me, a big a big Mont Blanc has to have a big nib. Uh, but a um, I have um, you know Coecos. I've got a couple of Coeco Sports with with double broad nibs, and I think they're ridiculous. Um, but with, with, with a medium nib, they're lovely. So I, I'm getting a little bit finer. But once we get to F, that's probably my limit. People start talking about EF and UEF, and I'm not sure. Uh, I think there are better tools out there for that. You can use, you know, uh, rotating fine liners and stuff. Like that. Yeah. So, 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 do you do you have a a grail pen, or or, or have you do you have everything you want? Um, I no, I'm I'm like everyone else. Um, I can I can look at a Pelican. I've got a Pelican 800. I've got a Pelican 1000. I've got a Pelican 600. But I know the next Pelican 600. I'll go. Oh, that's a nice color. Uh, why I would need another one? There is no logic to it. That's not a logical requirement. That's just pure desire. I, I'm interested in Nakaya, uh, probably because it's so costly, probably because it's so beyond my understanding of pens. But going to a few pen shows has made me even more intimidated than when I hadn't been to any pen shows. So um, set, setting up. For some of the London pen shows, particularly, you see the the dealers trading with each other, um, 
Now, the, the one thing I should say is that my my day job, or part of one of my day jobs, is that I'm a um, an anti money laundering specialist. So um, I help financial institutions uh, not break the law, hopefully. And to to be in, at an adventure watching thousands of pounds in cash changing hands between these guys is like, hmm, okay, I'm not entirely sure that my other job would see this very well. Um, but some of the pens that that they have, you know, some of the Nakayas with all the Urushi work. And um, I saw one at a show recently uh, retailing at 32,000 sterling. And, and the, you know, the salesman sort of goes, yeah, hold it. I went, no thanks. <laughs> just, just, oh, no, that, that's too much, too scary. Um, so I'd, I'd like to try those. Sailor King of Pen, I've never held one of those. Uh, I blame the pen addict for, for this. Uh, Mike and, and Brad talking about uh, the sailors all the time. Um, but so no particular pen, but I I do have to gird myself whenever I go to a pen show. I have to be careful because I am quite impulsive, and I could could easily spend lots of money um, and end up with even more pens. And I don't need more pens. Yeah, uh, Stuart, you have, you have mentioned uh, some fellow pen addicts here. Mm. Uh, who would you uh, would like to listen to on our podcast as a guest, and maybe if you have a tips on topics or something oh right um well I, look, get brad he he's got to be uh the perfect mix for uh, the perfect match for what you guys want to talk about uh pen and paper he's the man uh and he's a lovely guy and he will uh, he will go out of his way to help so uh, drop him a line i'm sure he would uh he'd love to come on uh urban hafner he's uh he's an interesting guy He's uh, he's German, but don't hold it against him. Um, uh, <laughs> don't mention the war. Exactly, don't mention the war. And now he's a lovely fellow. Uh, does a couple of pen podcasts. Uh, he had had a had a small a small issue, a small problem with with Chinese pens, but he's seen a doctor, and I, I think he's getting better. Um, he he's definitely worth listening. He runs uh, FPC Fountain Pen Companion, and the guys from yeah, the other guys from Fountain Pen Companion, the podcast. Uh, so uh, is it Daniel in in Budapest? Well, I don't know if he's in Budapest. That might be unfair. In, in Hungary somewhere. Uh, there's a there's a lot of guys out there. Thanks. Yeah, you're very welcome. Yeah, thanks. So we have uh, we have mentioned some uh, some places that you you are on on internet. So can you summarize where people can find you? Sure. Uh, on the um, all over the internet. Stuart Lennon of the internet. Um, I'm at stuartlennon.com. The interwebs. Yes, the interwebs. Uh, stuartlennon.com. You'll find my blog uh, where I talk about writing, about uh, being a sort of multi. What do we call them? Multipreneurs. Right? Um, Uh, running lots of different businesses uh, and also about uh, living the dream here in Cyprus. You can find me at neurosnotes.co.uk, uh, which is where we sell notebooks and paper. Uh, the 1857 podcast, you can find it all good podcast catches uh, and some rubbish ones too, or at 1857.co.uk. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Stu Lennon and at Nero's Notes and Instagram. Uh, Instagram is weird. It's stuart.lennon.587 or Nero's Notes. I think that's it. Yeah, thank you for thank you very much for this. Yeah, it was it was uh, it was a pleasure to to talk to you and, and listen to you and and 
all all things you have to say about all and nothing. So mm-hmm. I think we, we thank you for this time. Uh, and we thank all the listeners. And um, we'll be back someday with a new international edition. It's there are no we come back when we have a new guest. That's how that's the schedule this international edition is on. So uh, thanks to um, all listeners and thanks to Stuart and thank for this time and hear you soon again. Uh, uh, thank you very much for having me on, guys. I really enjoyed it. Cheers. Mm-hmm.